The Mystical City of God, Book 1, The Conception, Chapter 1. The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda, explains two special visions given to her soul by the Lord. She also describes other enlightenments and mysteries, which compelled her to withdraw from earthly things, and raised her spirit to dwell above the earth. 1. I confess to you, Matthew 11:25, and magnify you, King Most High, that in your exalted majesty you have hidden these high mysteries from the wise and from the teachers, and in your condescension have revealed them to me, the most insignificant and useless slave of your church, in order that you may be the more admired as the omnipotent author of this history in proportion to its instrument that is despicable and weak. 2. After I had overcome the above-mentioned reluctance and disorderly fears, which caused so much timid hesitation lest I suffer shipwreck in that sea of marvels, the most exalted Lord caused me to feel a virtue from on high, strong, sweet, efficacious and gentle. An enlightenment which illuminated the intellect, subjected the rebellious will, tranquilizing, directing, governing and attracting the whole range of interior and exterior senses, thus subjecting my entire being to the will and pleasure of the Most High, and directing it in all things toward His honor and glory alone. Being thus prepared, I heard a voice from the Almighty, which called me and raised me up toward Him, exalting my dwelling place on high, Sirach 51 13, and strengthening me against the lions that hungrily roared about me in order to snatch my soul from the enjoyment of great blessings in the boundless mysteries of this holy tabernacle and city of God. Surrounded by the sorrows of death and perdition, Psalm 17 5 and beset by the flames of Sodom and Babylon, in which we live, it liberated me from the portals of sorrow into which I was enticed to enter. My enemies, forming visions of fallacious and deceitful delights for the misleading of my senses, and the capture of them by pretended pleasures, set their allurements about me, in order that I might blindly turn toward these flames and be consumed by them. But from all these snares laid for my footsteps, Psalm 56 7, the Most High has delivered me, elevating my spirit and teaching me by the most efficacious admonitions the way of perfection. He invited me to a life spiritualized and angelic, and obliged me to live so cautiously, that in the midst of the furnace, the fire touched me not, Sirach 51 6. He often liberated me from the impure tongue, when it sought to communicate to me its earthly fables, Psalm 118 85. His Majesty invited me to rise from the dust and littleness of the law of sin, to resist the defects of sin-infected nature, and restrain its disorders, combating them by his enlightening inspirations and raising myself above myself, Lamentations 3.28. He called me repeatedly, sometimes by the power of his omnipotence, sometimes with the correction of a father and at others with the love of a spouse, saying, Arise my dove, creation of my hands, make haste and come to me, Canticles 2.10, Who am the light and the way, John 8.12, he that follows me walks not in darkness. Come to me who am the secure truth and unchangeable holiness, to me who am the powerful and the wise and the teacher of those that follow wisdom, wisdom 7:15. 3. These words were like arrows of sweet love, which filled me with admiration, reverence, 
knowledge and dread of my sins and of my vileness, so that I retired from his presence, shrunken and annihilated in the knowledge of my nothingness. And the Lord spoke to me. Come O soul, come to me who am thy omnipotent God, and although thou hast been a prodigal child and a sinner, arise from the earth and come to me thy father, receive the stole of my friendship and the ring of a spouse. 4. Still remaining in that secure retreat of which I have spoken, I saw six angels on a certain day whom the Almighty had appointed to assist and guide me in this undertaking and in other dangers. Coming toward me they purified and prepared my soul, and then presented me before the Lord. His Majesty gave to my interior being, a new light and as it were, a participation in glory by which I was made capable and desirous of seeing and understanding the things which are above the powers of a mere terrestrial creature. Soon after, two other angels of a still higher order appeared to me and I felt within me the power of the Lord by which they called me. I understood that they were most mysterious envoys and that they wished to reveal to me high and hidden sacraments. Eagerly I responded, and desirous of enjoying the blessing which they pointed out to me, I declared to them how ardently I longed to see what they wished to show me and yet so mysteriously concealed from me. Then, they at once answered with great serenity, Restrain thyself, O soul. I turned to the great princes of heaven and said, Princes of the Almighty, and messengers of the great King. Why do you now detain me contrary to my will, and why do you defer my joy and my delight after you've called me? What force is this of yours and what power which calls me, fills me with fervor which allures and yet detains me, which attracts me to follow after the odor of my beloved Lord and of his ointments, yet restrains me with strong bonds? Tell me the cause of all this. They answered, because, in order to be instructed in all these mysteries, you must, O soul, come with bare feet and despoiled of all your desires and passions, for these mysteries do not accommodate or lend themselves to disordered inclinations. Take off your shoes like Moses, Exodus 3.5, for such was the command given to him before he could see the wonderful bush. Princes of heaven and my lords, much was asked of Moses when he received the command to perform the works of an angel while yet living in mortal flesh. But he was a saint, and I am but a sinner full of miseries. My heart is disturbed and I am in conflict with the slavery and the oppression of sin which I feel in my members, and which are opposed to the law of the Spirit, Romans 7.23. To which they replied, Soul, it would indeed be for you a most difficult enterprise if you had to execute it merely with your own power. But the Most High, who wishes to see in you this disposition, is powerful, and he will not deny to you his help. If from your heart you ask his assistance and you prepare yourself to receive it, his power, which caused the bush to burn and at the same time prevented it from being consumed, can prevent also the fire of the passions which encompass and beset the soul from consuming it, if it truly desires to be saved. His Majesty asks for that which he desires, and can execute what he asks. Strengthened by him, you can do that which he commands, Philippians 4.13, take off your shoes and weep in bitter sorrow. Call out to him from the bottom of your heart in order that your prayers may be heard and your desires fulfilled. 5. Presently, I saw a most precious veil covering a treasure, and my heart burned with desire to see it raised, 
and to look upon the sacred mystery which I understood was hidden beneath it. My desire was answered in the following manner. Obey, O soul, in what was enjoined and commanded you. Despoil yourself of yourself, and then this mystery will be revealed to you. I resolved to amend my life, and to overcome my appetite. I sighed and wept with many aspirations from my inmost soul for the manifestation of this blessing. While I made my good resolves, the veil which covered the treasure began to be lifted. The veil fell entirely and my interior eyes saw what I shall not know how to describe in words. I saw a great and mysterious sign in heaven, I saw a woman, a most beautiful lady and queen, crowned with the stars, clothed with the sun, and the moon was at her feet, Revelations 12 1. The holy angel spoke to me. This is that blessed woman whom Saint John saw in the Apocalypse and in whom are enclosed, deposited and sealed up, the wonderful mysteries of the redemption. So much has the most high and powerful God favored this creature, that we his angelic spirits are full of astonishment. Contemplate and admire her prerogatives, record them in writing, because that is the purpose for which, according to the measure suitable to your circumstances, they will be made manifest to you. I was made to see such wonders that the greatness of them took away my speech, and my admiration of them suspended my other faculties. Nor do I think that all the created beings in this mortal life will ever comprehend them, as will appear in the sequel of my discourse. 6. On another day, while my soul sweetly tarried in the before-mentioned habitation, I heard a voice from the Most High saying, My spouse, I desire that you rouse yourself in earnest to seek me and to love me with fervor, that you make your life more angelic than human, and that you forget entirely the terrestrial affairs. I wish to raise you as one that is poor from the dust, and as one full of need from the dunghill, Psalm 112.7, so that while I exalt you, you may humiliate yourself, and the nard of your sweet odor may remain in my presence. Knowing your own misery, be convinced from the bottom of your heart, that you merit for yourself only tribulation and humiliation. Consider my greatness and your littleness. Remember that I am just and holy. I deal with you considerately, making use rather of my mercy and not chastising you as you deserve. Strive to build upon this foundation of humility and all the other virtues in order to fulfill my wishes. I appoint my virgin mother to teach correct and reprehend you. She will spur you onward and accompany your footsteps according to my liking and pleasure. 7. While the Most High spoke to me, the Queen stood nearby and the Heavenly Princess disdained not to accept the office which His Majesty assigned to her. She accepted it benignly and said to me, My daughter, I desire that you be my disciple and my companion, and I will be your teacher. But remember that you must obey me courageously and from this day on, no vestige of a daughter of Adam must be found in you. My conduct and my works during my pilgrimage on earth, and the wonders which the arm of the Almighty wrought through me, shall be the mirror and the model of your life. I prostrated myself before the throne of the King and Queen of the universe, and I offered to obey her in all things. I gave thanks to the Highest for the favor, which He, so much in excess of my merits conferred upon me in giving me such a guide and protectress. Into her hands I renewed the vows of my profession. 
I offered myself to her and proposed to work anew at the amendment of my life. Again the Lord spoke to me. Behold, and see. Turning I saw a most beautiful ladder with many rungs. Around it were many angels, and a great number of them were ascending and descending upon it. His Majesty said to me, This is the mysterious ladder of Jacob, the house of God, and the portal of heaven, Genesis 28:17. If you will earnestly strive to live irreprehensible in my eyes, you will ascend upon it to me. 8. This promise incited my desires, set my will aflame and it enraptured my spirit. With many tears I grieved, that I should be a burden to myself in my sinfulness, Job 7:20. I sighed for the end of my captivity, and longed to arrive where there would be no obstacle to my love. In this anxiety I passed some days, trying to reform my life. I again made a general confession and corrected some of my imperfections. The vision of the latter continued without intermission, but it was not explained to me. I made many promises to the Lord and proposed to free myself from all terrestrial things, and to reserve the powers of my will entirely for His love, without allowing it to incline toward any creature, be it ever so small or unsuspicious. I rejected all visible and sensible things. Having passed some days in these affections and sentiments, I was informed by the Most High, that the latter signified the life of the Most Holy Virgin, its virtues and sacraments. His Majesty said to me, I desire my spouse, that you ascend this stair of Jacob and enter through this door of heaven to acquire the knowledge of my attributes, and occupy yourself in the contemplation of my divinity. Arise then, and walk, ascend by it to me. These angels which surrounded and accompany it, are those that I appointed as the guardians of Mary, as the defenders and sentinels of the citadel of Sion. Consider her attentively, and meditating on her virtues, seek to imitate them. It seemed to me then that I ascended the ladder, and that I recognized the great wonders and the ineffable prodigies of the Lord in a mere creature, and the greatest sanctity and perfection of virtue ever worked by the arm of the Almighty. At the top of the ladder, I saw the Lord of hosts and the Queen of all creation. They commanded me to glorify, exalt and praise Him, on account of these great mysteries, and to write down so much of them as I might bring myself to understand. The exalted and high Lord gave me a law, written not only on tablets as He gave to Moses, Exodus 31:18, but one wrought by His omnipotent finger, in order that it might be studied and observed, Psalm 1-2. He moved my will so that in her presence, I promised to overcome my repugnance, and with her assistance, to set about writing her history, paying attention to three things. First, to remember that the creature must ever seek to acknowledge the profound reverence due to God, and to abase itself in proportion to the condescension of His Majesty toward men, and that the effect of greater favors and benefits, must be a greater fear, reverence, attention and humility. Secondly, to be ever mindful of the obligation of all men, who are so forgetful of their own salvation, to consider and learn what they owe to the Queen and Mother of Piety, on account of the part assumed by her in the redemption, to think of the love and the reverence which she showed to God, and the honor in which we are to hold this great lady. Thirdly, 
to be willing to have my spiritual director and if necessary the whole world, find out my littleness and vileness, and the small returns which I make for what I receive. 9. To these my declarations the Most Holy Virgin answered. My daughter, the world stands much in need of this doctrine, for it does not know nor does it practice the reverence due to the Lord Omnipotent. On account of this ignorance, his justice is provoked to afflict and humiliate men. They are sunken in their carelessness and filled with darkness, not knowing how to seek relief or attain to the light. This, however, is justly their lot, since they fail in the reverence and fear which they ought to have. Besides this, the Most High and the Queen gave me many other instructions in order to make clear to me their will in regard to this work. It seemed to me audacious and want of charity toward myself, to reject the instruction which she had promised me for narrating the course of her most holy life. It seemed equally improper to put off the writing of it, since the Most High had indicated this as the fitting and opportune time, saying to me in this regard, My daughter, when I sent my only begotten, the world with the exception of a few souls that served me, was in worse condition than it ever had been since its beginning, for human nature is so imperfect, that if it does not subject itself to the interior guidance of my light, and to the fulfillment of the precepts of my ministers by sacrificing its own judgment and following me, who am the way the truth and the life, John 14 6, and by carefully observing my commandments in order not to lose my friendship, it will presently fall into the abyss of darkness and innumerable miseries until it arrives at obstinacy in sin. From the creation and sin of the first man until I gave the law to Moses, men governed themselves according to their own inclinations and fell into many errors and sins. Romans 8.13 after having received the law, they again committed sin by not obeying it, John 7:19, and thus they lived on, separating themselves more and more from truth and light, and arriving at the state of complete forgetfulness. In fatherly love, I sent a maternal salvation and a remedy for the incurable infirmities of human nature thus justifying my cause. And just as I then chose the opportune time for the greater manifestation of my mercy, so I now select this time for showing toward him another very great favor. For now the hour has come and the opportune time, to let men know the just cause of my anger, and they are now justly charged and convinced of their guilt. Now I will make manifest my indignation and exercise my justice and equity, I will show how well justified is my cause. In order that this may come to pass more speedily, and because it is now time that my mercy show itself more openly, and because my love must not be idle, I will offer to them an opportune remedy, if they will but make use of it for returning again to my favor. Now, at this hour, when the world has arrived at so unfortunate a pass, and when, Though the word has become incarnate, mortals are more careless of their good state and seek it less. When the day of their transitory life passes swiftly at the setting of the sun of time, 
when the night of eternity is approaching closer and closer for the wicked, and the day without a night is being born for the just, when the majority of mortals are sinking deeper and deeper into the darkness of their ignorance and guilt, oppressing the just and mocking the children of God, when my holy and divine law is despised in the management of the iniquitous affairs of state, which are as hostile as they are contrary to my providence, when the wicked least deserve my mercy, in these predestined times, I wish to open a portal for the just ones through which they can find access to my mercy. I wish to give them a light by which they can dispel the gloom that envelops the eyes of their minds. I wish to furnish them a suitable remedy for restoring them to my grace. Happy they who find it, and blessed they who shall appreciate its value. Richer they who shall come upon this treasure and blessed and very wise those who shall search into and shall understand its marvels and hidden mysteries. I desire to make known to mortals how much the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary is worth, who brought restoration of life by giving mortal existence to the immortal God. As recompense, I desire that they look upon the wonders wrought by my mighty arm in that pure creature, as upon a mirror by which they can estimate their own ingratitude. I wish to make known to them much of that, which according to my high judgment is still hidden concerning the Mother of the Word. I have not revealed these mysteries in the primitive church, because they are so great that the faithful would have been lost in the contemplation and admiration of them at a time when it was more necessary to establish firmly the law of grace and of the gospel. Although all mysteries of religion are in perfect harmony with each other, yet human ignorance might have suffered recoil and doubt at their magnitude, when faith in the incarnation and redemption and the precepts of the new law of the gospel were yet in their beginnings. On this same account the person of the incarnate word said to his disciples at the Last Supper, Many things have I to say to you, but you are not yet disposed to receive them. John 6.12 These words he addressed to all the world, for it was not yet capable of giving full obedience to the law of grace and full assent to the faith in the Son, much less was it prepared to be introduced into the mysteries of his mother. But now, mankind has greater need for this manifestation, and this necessity urges me to disregard their evil disposition. And if men would now seek to please me, by reverencing, believing, and studying the wonders which are intimately connected with this mother of piety, and if they would all begin to solicit her intercession from their whole heart, the world would find some relief. I will not longer withhold from men this mystical city of refuge. Describe and delineate it to them, as far as your shortcomings allow. I do not intend that your descriptions and declarations of the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary shall be mere opinions or contemplations, but reliable truth. They that have ears to hear, let them hear. Let those who thirst come to the living waters and leave the dried-out cisterns. Let those that are seeking for the light, 
follow it to the end. Thus speaks the Lord God Almighty. 11. These are the words of the Most High, on the occasion before mentioned. Obedient to the authority which commands me, in the following chapter I will describe the manner in which I receive my information and enlightenment and how I see the Lord. Thus complying with his orders, I will explain once for all the illuminations and the favors which are graced to me for this work, and to which I will refer in the sequel of this history.